Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. We welcome everyone tonight that is here. You know, Bible study. So glad to have everyone in the house of God today. You know, um, I was out working today, and um, Ethan was with me. We were together. So I said, man, the temperature is changing. So I said, yeah, it feels real good. So, you know, I was just, you know, basking in, working in, and enjoying the cool temperature dropping. So, you know, we're getting closer to September, so we should hopefully have some cooler weather. So God's been good to us. And, you know, for all of us that are here this evening, I know God has been good to all of us that is here today. Um, our online viewers, we thank you for joining us today. Uh, so glad to have you joining us. We pray that before the services conclude tonight, God will touch you. And I pray that God touch each and every one of us that is inside the house tonight. Amen. You know, it's no better place to be on a Thursday afternoon for most of us that is here than to be in the house of God. You know, the songwriter said, in his present, there is fullness of joy, and that is right, and there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. So we're glad to have everyone in the house of God. We're going to invite you all, if you could stand with us. I'm going to ask you to pray with us this afternoon that the Lord will have his way in our Bible study, that will, his anointing will be on the man of God as he come forth to preach the word or to teach the word, whatever the Lord want to do in his life tonight. That we pray that the Lord will use him tonight to be, um, bring forth the word. Amen. And pray for those that are around us, that if you know anyone that is sick among us, or those that, you know, keep Brother Bob in our prayer, and those others that are we keep praying for, you know their name, just continue to pray their strength that God will heal them completely and that they will be whole. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for one more time to be in your presence. We truly thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercies, and we thank you for your love. We thank you for bringing us into your presence one more time, Lord God, where we can worship you in the beauty of holiness, Lord God, where we can worship you and give you praise, O oh God. As we gather together in your presence, Lord God, this evening, we ask you, Lord God, that you may forgive us for every sins, all the sins that we have committed in your sight, knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will touch our hearts, O oh God. Touch our minds, O oh God. I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you'll, O oh God, wash and burn every sins that we have committed in your sight, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will help us to be more like you, Lord God. Help us that our light will continue to shine before men, that they will see the good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. As we pray tonight, Lord God, we pray and ask you, Lord God, it will touch every person in this facility tonight, Lord God. Touch their body, touch their minds, O oh God. Whatever their needs are tonight, we ask you, Lord God, that you will supply all their needs according to your riches and glory. Father God, as we pray for our online viewers tonight, Lord God, that whatever their needs are tonight, Lord God, I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you will touch them, Lord God, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. We ask that the healing virtue of God will move through every person tonight lord god we ask you lord god that you will continue to baptize us with souls oh god send us souls from the east the west the north and the south lord god send us souls that are willing to give their all to you lord god that are willing to give their life to you before time changes oh god 
And Father God, as we pray for our service tonight, we ask your anointing upon the, our pastor tonight that you will touch him, O oh God, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, Lord God. Let him speak like never before, Lord God. Use him, Lord God, to proclaim your word, Lord God. Thus said the Lord. Oh, Father God, we ask your anointing upon every person in this place today, Lord God, and open our minds and our hearts so that we can receive, O oh God, what you have in store for us, O oh God. I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you will speak to our hearts. Oh God, speak to our minds, oh God. As we come in ourselves to you tonight, Lord God, we know this world is not our home. Oh God, help us to be ready that when the trumpet sounds, we will be worthy to make heaven our home. We'll be worthy to make it in the rapture, Lord God. Oh God, we want, Lord God, to be where you are, Lord God. You say you're going to prepare a place for us that where you are, we may be also, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, that you will prepare our heart. Oh God, prepare our minds, oh God. I pray you will touch our body, Lord God, in the time that we're living in, O oh God. Father God, as we pray, Lord God, we pray for those that are affected, Lord God. O oh God, in this time, Lord God, through this pandemic, Lord God, that you will heal them completely, Lord God. Those that are sick in their body, I pray the anointing, I pray the healing power of God upon their body tonight, Lord God. O oh God, I pray the Spirit of God will move upon us like never before, O oh God. As we give you all the glory and all the honor, we worship you tonight and we say thanks in advance for what you're about to do in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, church, let's give the Lord a round of applause tonight as we invite our pastor. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Come on, just continue to give him praise and honor tonight. We're thankful to be in his house. We're thankful to be able to praise him and honor him. Jesus. Oh, we bless your name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. You're so good to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's praising the Lord for all the good things he has done. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Via live stream, we're grateful for this church and all that God is doing in you and through you for his glory. And we thank God for that. Amen. I started teaching a series last week on uh, this topic, Christ- questions Christians ask. Questions Christians ask. And um, we got through uh, lesson one. Um, we got the lesson two. Well, I, I got to admit something to you. Patrice um, caught on to it today. So today I sent her the uh, scriptures and um, I said lesson two. She said, no, you had lesson two last week. So last week was a continuation of lesson one. This is lesson two tonight. And so um, uh, Patrice is on it. She was like, I thought we did lesson two last week. I said, uh, continuation lesson one. That was my bad. So tonight is officially lesson two. And so I've been doing this for two weeks now, huh? This is the third week. Wow. Time is just going and flying and moving. I mean, you would think maybe that's the grace and goodness of the Lord that while we're dealing with Corona, he's not allowing the days to be long. Somehow he has shortened the days. So all the challenges and the trials and the things that we're dealing with won't be as much. I don't know how he does it, but I feel like the days are shorter. Do you feel the same way? I'm telling you, time, when it's time to go to bed, I said bedtime already, huh? 
I sound like the kids to myself. You know, the kids never want to go to bed. And so it's like me every night. When the time comes for me to go to bed, I said, is it bedtime already? I thought I just got up out of the bed. And so, I don't know, but we are on lesson or part two um, uh, of questions Christians ask. And so we'll get into that tonight and um, we'll see what the next question will be. It's Bible study time and um, we'll try to do our best in studying the scripture as to uh, the teachings of God's word and the questions, some of the questions that we've had over the years and as I like to mention, last week someone um, did submit a question. If you would like to submit a question tonight while you're viewing virtually, virtually you can um, text them to Sister Patrice or um, you can, I'm sorry, Sister Patrice, I forgot. Sister Crystal will respond to you. So Sister Crystal is um, our virtual greeter. She's our virtual host. So if you have questions or you need to get a question answered while you are streaming live, Sister Crystal will respond to you. So Sister Crystal, here you go. So if you have a question, text it to her um, while you're uh, live. She will get it to us, and hopefully I'll get it before the night is out, and I will do my best to answer it for you. And if you have a question here, um, surely, um, you know, get it up to me at some point in time. And I will do my best, according to the scriptures, to answer your question. Amen. Sister Parker's in the house tonight. We're so glad Sister Parker's in the house tonight. Hallelujah. Sister Parker, we teased you the other day. Yeah. Yeah. The other day when you weren't doing well, we, labeled, we, we kind of diagnosed your sickness. Your husband started it, and we just follow suit. <laughs> we diagnosed what, what, you, what you had, so um, good to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I can laugh because I think I had the same symptoms at some point in time in March, so <laughs> I diagnosed myself too. So, <laughs> so, so since I diagnosed myself, I diagnosed you, and listen, we're here, and God is good, and um, you know, we, we can laugh about it. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people that did not make it. And so we thank God for being so good to us and allowing us this opportunity to still be here. And that simply means that we have work to do. Um, God is intentional. He's not a God that says, oh, by the way. He's not an oh, by the way God. He's an intentional God. And so if he allow us to continue to be here and overcoming sickness and all of those things and viruses, um, he has plans for our life. And so what we ought to do is say, all right, Lord, I can see that you have a plan or have plans for my life. Um, I will seek you that you may reveal those plans to me because you didn't just leave me here just because. And so we will continue to seek God for the plans that he has for each and every one of us, even if you weren't sick. <laughs> he has plans for you, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Questions Christians ask. Series part two. Last week, we began this series, uh, which is a compilation of questions people have asked uh, over the years uh, about the kingdom of God and the world that we live in. So. 
Uh, people have always had questions. Questions are good. I don't know about you. I like questions, whether it's me asking the question or whether it's me responding to the question. I think questions are good because questions mean, first of all, that you're in tune, you're paying attention. Um, and the second thing about it is you care and you want to know. Um, one of the things that um, is a fine line with kids these days as you're raising them is you don't want to diminish their being their way of being inquisitive. Um, you know, the, the kids now, they want to know a whole lot of they want to know why they, they have a lot of, re, you know, why questions. And, you know, back when we were growing up, some of us, um, you weren't really comfortable um, asking a, a, an adult why. Um, if you're not careful, you might get slapped in the mouth. Um, so we just couldn't ask why when we were growing up. And so um, at this juncture, I encourage children to ask why. I, my youngest, youngest, the last born, he loved to ask questions. Um, the one that came out before him, uh, she'll ask when she feels like it, but she doesn't ask a lot of questions. And I try to push her to ask questions because I want my kids to be inquisitive. I want them to ask questions because I believe it will help them grow and help them become smarter. And you should do the same with your kids as well. It's good when they ask questions. Don't um, discourage them from asking questions. Let them ask questions and, and give them the best answer. You don't have to always have the answer. And guess what? Google exists now. So when you don't know what to tell them, say, hold on, let's Google this together. So um, let them ask questions. It's not a bad thing. All right. So we know that God, after going through our lessons the past two weeks, past two Thursdays, we know that God um, wants us to ask questions. He, he's okay with us asking questions as long as our motives are right. So God wants you to ask questions and he will answer them when he chooses to because he has to decide whether he should answer a question that you have because maybe you're not at a place that you can understand his answer or you will really uh, grasp what he's telling you. So when we ask him questions, he wants us to ask questions. We will not always get the answer to it because of, you know, what he thinks at that time. He's all knowing. Amen. And so he determines if you're ready for the answer. Can you handle it? Um, and then he determined term, determine if he answers you at the time um, that you ask the question. So questions are good to ask God as long as your motives are right. All right. The question tonight. Somebody say question. question. I don't know if you ever been into a, um, a meeting where they use Robert rules of order. That that's one of the things that we do um, in our organization. We have. Um, when we have meetings, we um, uh, use Robert Rules of Order to conduct our meetings so everyone kind of have an understanding of how you go about things. Just That's just so order could be involved and you just can't fly off the handle and say and do whatever you want. So um, when we're discussing the matter that we have to vote on, um, you know, in order to have discussion, um, you know, it, you can't before you can move on to vote on a matter, you have to give the um, the audience enough opportunity to ask questions so we'll put the uh the, the, the situation out there and you know someone will um say mr chair i have a question and the chair will say question and he will go ahead and then it, it question question until no more question then we say let's vote on this so tonight you're asking question i've got a question for you hallelujah if jesus was god why was he baptized if Jesus was God, 
why was he baptized? If Jesus was God, why was he baptized? I know some of you could give a quick off the top of the head answer, but I'm going to give you sound biblical answer as opposed to just, you know, one of the things about uh, Bible study is it equips you to respond in a biblical way to the things of God. Um, sometimes it's easy. You can be in church for a little while and questions can come up and you can just give a, oh, by the way, answer or something that to you in your mind. Oh, this this is just a no brainer. But to formulate your words and to speak them, um, that's another thing. As a matter of fact, um, let you in a secret. I'm just going to talk to you a little bit tonight. I, I knew tonight I was going to do a lot of talking to you. I felt it and I said, all right, Lord, whatever you want. I'm just going with whatever you want. But um, so there are people, right, that they say, are you a preacher that use notes or a preacher that don't use notes? And uh, there are people that feel like the good preachers don't use notes. I can preach without notes, but here is what I like to do. I care so much about you understanding that I use notes to formulate what I'm saying correctly, clearly, concisely, that you can take it and have it. I, I can I, I can minister without notes, but I think sometimes you can lose people when you're ministering without notes. But when you use notes, you get them to understand what you're saying. Now, there come times, which we have done that we're, it's a Sunday and we're preaching and I said, all right, and I feel like the Holy Ghost said go and I just leave the notes alone and go and that's fine. But I just feel strongly about using notes. I feel like it, it does something different. Also, you want to hear something funny? So I do a lot of thinking more than I should. Um, I said my son Jordan does the same as me on this. We have a lot of useless information in our brain. I just don't know why we store the, this information. So here's some useless information I store in my brain. You will probably not find a strong, impactful, large congregation where the pastor doesn't teach and preach by notes. If you find a pastor that usually just don't do notes, probably won't see a growing church. I'm not saying they won't be anointed. I'm not saying that they won't be spiritual. I'm just saying you won't see growth and organization and all of this stuff like you will with a preacher that uses notes. My guy down in um, Louisiana, well, two of my guys down in Louisiana, they have two of the largest churches that I know in Pentecost, and they don't they 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 go with notes. They're notes people. And so notes are good if you care about impacting people's life with teaching. Now, if you want everybody to feel good or you want to, you know, um, do your thing, that's cool. And I'm not saying God won't use you mightily without notes. I'm just saying that I think teaching get through when you compilate and, and, and you can truly get through because you, 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 you succinctly communicate what you're communicating to people and not just Try to come up with everything from your brain, especially when you have a lot of things going on in your life. <laughs> All right. If Jesus was God, why was he baptized? First of all, let me mention that the Jews, 
did not baptize for the same reason like we know it to be today. Their baptism were for purification rites in Jewish law and tradition. That purification rites in Jewish law and tradition is called Tivola. Tivola. T-V-I-L-A-H. That's the meaning for their baptism. It's a purification. It's a cleansing. That's why they got baptized back in their day before Jesus came on the scene. The Tivola is the act of immersion in water for the purpose of purification. Purification. Somebody say purification. For example, Jews who according to the law of Moses became ritually defiled by contact with a corpse had to be immersed in a mikvah which was a purification pool before being allowed to participate in the holy temple. So there's a pool that's called mikvah that when you need the purification, the tivola, that's where you went and you were cleansed when you were baptized, immersed in that pool. Also, when a person who was not a Jew wanted to convert to Judaism, they were required to be immersed in mikvah. So why was Jesus baptized? Remember the Jews baptized for cleansing. And when a Gentile wanted to be converted to Judaism, that's why baptism were going on before Jesus came on the scene. There was a baptism of Gentile proselytes. To symbolize that they had been cleansed from their idolatry and cleansed of their Gentile uncleanness. So, to signify the legitimacy of their desire to come and be a part of Judaism and worship the true God, they went through baptism. Now, John the Baptist comes on the scene and God ordains that John the Baptist preached. Baptism because God want the whole nation of Israel to realize that they are no better than the Gentiles. So John the Baptist, he came on the scene. Remember, just think about what they're thinking. The Jews are thinking when they thought baptism. They had a, a concept of cleansing. You need to be clean. And so that's what they were thinking. And so that was their practice, their tradition for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist came on the scene. And he started preaching repentance and baptism. And so he started preaching that. And now the Jews are like, what in the world is this? This, this is not what uh, baptism was all about. And so now John the Baptist was introducing them to something that they did not know of. The, the John the Baptist was trying to get them to understand you can purify yourself in your mikvah. You can do all of your tivla. Uh, th that didn't make you clean in the eyes of God. So being clean in the eyes of man does not mean you're clean in the eyes of God. So they were going through this baptism to for their ritual ceremony to say we're clean, we can be a part of this, we can be a part of that. But it was according to their own teaching, what they wanted. That's what they determined was a cleansing. And so now John the Baptist is saying, nope, not a cleansing. 
you need to repent and be baptized. God wanted the Jewish nation to realize their own sins and that they needed baptism themselves. God wanted this whole Jewish nation to be brought to a point of repentance and cleansing symbolized by baptism. So he wanted them to understand the need for baptism now is different from why you were baptized or baptizing. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 through 6. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same John had his remnant of camel's hair and um, leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. So John the Baptist came on the scene and preached repentance and baptism which made them realize that their traditional baptism was not the thing that will cleanse them. But repentance and baptism by John would be the way they would be cleansed. So it was John the Baptist who began to baptize the Jews in Judea and Jerusalem. But it was not just ceremonial. He was calling them to repentance. In Matthew 2 verse 11, John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. At that time, it only signified repentance. So when John the Baptist was baptizing, it only signified repentance. Keep that in the back of your mind or the front of your mind. It had nothing to do with identification with death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because it hadn't happened yet. So John the Baptist were baptizing everyone when he came on the scene preaching repentance for the kingdom of God was at hand. He was telling everyone to repent and then he baptized them. That was for uh, just remission of sins. That's what the Lord told John to do. But that baptism could not have been the true baptism because the baptism that will be the true baptism will signify or it will be an identification for us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know at the time John was preaching, Jesus hadn't died hadn't been buried, and hadn't been resurrected. So the baptism that we now practice today was not the baptism John was doing. I know you have questions. We're still moving along. I think I will answer them as we go along. It was saying that as a Jew, you were no better than a Gentile. You were unclean and have committed sin. You were in the same lost condition. John was preaching a very radical message that said, just because you are Jewish, you are not in the kingdom of God. Your sins haven't been forgiven. You need to repent. Then when Jesus walked down to the river where John is baptizing people and gets in line to be baptized, John says to Jesus, wait a minute, I don't need to baptize you. You are the son of God. You need to baptize me. 
is what John said. But Jesus makes a statement which really tells us the reason he was baptized. Jesus said, this was a statement Jesus made to John the Baptist. I must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Now that's very important. I must be baptized to fill or to fulfill all righteousness. I'll give you the scripture that gives us that. So Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 through 15. Here's the scripture that you want to write down. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Question mark. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. That simply meant that Jesus needed to do whatever the Father commanded the people to do. Remember, I've always told you, which I feel is one of the things that I think is one of the most amazing thing about our Savior. You know, when you write the rules, you always feel like you have the right to adjust the rules. When you create the rules, when you create the rules of, 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 of the game, so to speak, you feel like you have the right to adjust the rules and make it fit your view because you know why you did it. Jesus, our Savior, Almighty God manifest in flesh, is so awesome that he establishes word. And then when he came to earth in physical form, he abide by every word he established and did not try to circumvent it, did not try to adjust it to his own view. He just came and whatever we were commanded to do, he did it because he was God as man. At God as man means that you must abide by all the rules and all the regulations and all the law that all mankind have to abide by. Jesus never came to this world and said, well, you know who I am, so obviously I can do this, obviously I can do that, so don't worry about me, I'm playing with a different set of rules than you are. He never did that. That's just, I, I just think that's amazing. He never circumvented the laws. He never tried to play with the scriptures. He never danced around his obligation as a human. He did what he was supposed to do. Jesus was saying, I will be baptized because I will demonstrate that I will obey every law that has already been ordained for man. And so that's what Jesus was essentially saying when he got baptized is, I don't need to be baptized because you get baptized because you have sin in your life. You have you, you get baptized because you have done wrong in the sight of God and so you need to repent and get baptized. That's why you all have to get baptized, but I've never sinned. I've never done wrong. So my reason for getting baptized is different from the reason you got baptized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he did it to demonstrate his obedience, though he didn't need any cleansing, nor did he need to repent. The whole reason was to be in full submission to the will of the Father. Church, I hope 
that I have communicated clearly enough that you you have a good grasp on this, that we know Jesus Christ is God manifest. We know you cannot see God because God is a spirit. So in order to see and know God, he had to make himself visible. You could not see him any other way. You can't see a spirit. And so in order for him to make himself, you know, for us to see him and know him, he had to manifest himself. And we got confused because when he manifested himself, he kept saying, I have to do the will of the Father. And so now everyone, well, not everyone, but you know, a lot of people are now confused saying, well, why is he saying the will of the Father when he's supposed to be the Father? And all he was trying to let them know is, as a man, as a man, just like you're a man, just like you're a woman, as a human being, I am in the same boat now as you are in. Do you have parents? Yeah, you do. Well, so do I. So now, when I conduct myself as man, I have to assume the role as son. Because I can't be man if I'm not a son. How else would I be a man? Got to have a daddy. Got to have a mama. Who's his daddy? Not Joseph. Because we know Mary didn't get pregnant by Joseph. So this is why it was it was right for him to say the will of my father. Because what he's saying is, Joseph wasn't my daddy, but in in order for me to come here, I had to have a daddy. So he just say, the spirit is my daddy, but the spirit is in me. So really, I'm my daddy. (laughs) But understand, he made a big deal of doing the will of the father because he's teaching us submission. He's saying that I want you to understand the importance of submitting to the word of God, to submit to God. I want you to understand it. So I, myself, I am God, but as a man, I am under submission. I have to submit to the word of God. So this is why you hear me speak in those terms, the will of the Father, the Son of God, because I am now a man and I have to conduct myself as a man. Somebody say amen. I I hope I made that clear. I don't know if I'm clear, but I can talk about that all day. So if you want to pull me to the side later, that's fine. John the Baptist was asking that very same question. Why am I baptizing you? So Jesus' baptism is definitely in a different category than ours as far as the work that baptism does. Jesus was God manifest as man. God doesn't need to repent. He's sinless. But Jesus, who is God, manifest, represented man and God. So when Jesus walked the earth, he was both man and God. So that's why if it became an issue with man, he had to act like a man. If it's an issue with God, he will be God. This is why he can say, thy sins forgiven thee. You, ever, you read that part in the Bible? When he told a man, thy sins forgiven thee, they're looking at him like, only God can forgive sin. Duh. If he's saying, thy sins forgiven thee, and only God can forgive sin, obviously this is God. So as God, he forgave sins, but as a man, he had to pray, he had to be baptized, and all of that stuff to fulfill the law, the submission 
to the will of God. Somebody say amen. amen. If you think about it, Jesus didn't really need to go to the synagogue. <laughs> he didn't really need to hear the scriptures read. He was the word made flesh. He didn't need to go to hear rabbis explain the Bible. He was the author of the scriptures. Jesus didn't need to go through any kind of ritual because they had no sanctifying effect on him because he didn't need to be sanctified. But he did all of them anyway. Why? To fulfill the requirements of man. That's beautiful. That our Savior that created everything submitted to his creation. Another reason why it's going to be hard for us to wiggle our way out of things we're supposed to do. <laughs> because he's saying, I created all this and then I came down and submit to it. Ooh, that's heavy, Lord. <laughs> that's heavy. You know, he created all of this and then came down and submitted to it. That's going to be interesting. Hallelujah. Everything he did that God required was simply to be our model of obedience, even though he was perfect. Christian baptism comes later after Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected. In Acts 2, Peter preaches and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Then it becomes a symbol of the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's how we identify with him. While we are talking about baptism, we can answer another baptism question. Is there ever a time when I need to be rebaptized? First, let me say that there is only one way to be baptized that God honors. And that is in obedience to the instructions he gives us in his word. And that instruction is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, which says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. That word, baptize itself, means to immerse or to submerge. Peter says that you have to have the name of Jesus invoke over you when you are baptized. So if you got baptized and, and, and you did not have the name of Jesus Christ invoked over you while you are being submerged or immersed, then you probably want to get rebaptized because there is only one way or God has only instructed us in the Bible one way how to today baptized. John the Baptist's baptism was before Christ went to the cross. After he went to the cross, he died and he rose. He preached to us what we need to do and how we supposed to be baptized moving forward. Peter says that you have to have the name of Jesus invoke over you when you're baptized. For all of you that are in here, hopefully, and those of you that are viewing virtually, hopefully when you were baptized, you had the name of Jesus invoked over you. If you did not have that, you need to be rebaptized. And after that day, uh, any place in the Bible where someone was baptized, this is, in, this is in after Acts chapter 2 verse 38, after that, 
any place in the Bible where someone was baptized, they were baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus. So the question is, is there ever a time when I need to be rebaptized? And the answer is yes. If you are ever, if you have ever been baptized before, but it was not by immersion in the name of Jesus, then you need to be rebaptized. Acts chapter 2, verse number 19, verse 1. Chapter number 19, verse 1 says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believe? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Interesting. Remember, we were talking about John the Baptist, his baptism. They said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you see clearly that there were people that were baptized according to John's baptism. But when Paul encountered them and asked them, were they ever baptized? Well, he encountered them and asked them, had they ever received the Holy Ghost? And then they said, we don't even know about a Holy Ghost. And he says, then how were you baptized? They said, by John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized you this way, but you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. When they heard that, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Something there that I like to point out all the time. Um, I'm always... Uh, I always pray and ask God to reveal to me the motive of individuals when they're trying to get answers out of me. Because I won't waste my time and give you an answer if I think your motive is off. And so when our motives are right and we're seeking and we're searching for the right things, when we get them, we don't hesitate. We jump right on it. You check out any area of your life. doesn't even have to be Christian. doesn't have to be spiritual. But if you have been seeking something, and finally, the answer come to you. You jump on it. Holy Ghost just gave me one. Where my wife? Mess with her. You've been looking for a pocketbook for a long time. And you're checking all the stores. Because you really like that pocketbook. You know what it looks like. You know every kind of thing. on. You know everything about this pocketbook. And you know but it's just too much. So you just keep checking, keep checking. You check every store. You, kick, you check King of Pressure. You, kick, you check Lord and Taylor's. You check Short Hills. You just keep checking because you never got a chance to go to Paris to really get it. So you check it everywhere. And then finally, one day you check something and it's on sale. You tell me what she do. You tell me. You don't hesitate. You don't hesitate. And that's for every one of us. When you see something that you've been wanting and you know it's right and that's for you, when you know the whole thing is right, you don't hesitate. You jump right. Give me that right now. God, God didn't, God is not trying to corner us. 
He's not trying to trap us. But the way this thing works, we are trapped. Meaning that you're never going to have a way out with him. Because we live so much in the natural and experience so many things in the natural that he can quickly equate to the spiritual and he can ask us, well, I saw you did it over here in the natural. What happened in the spiritual? And you know, he liked to ask questions. He already know the answers. You know, God already know the answers, D. And so he liked to ask you questions. He already know the answers. And when God asks you a question, you just put your head down and, oh, Lord, you already know the answer. Remember Ezekiel? The, the, the Lord said to Ezekiel, can these dry bones live again, Ezekiel? I can see him. I can just picture it. Why are you asking me this? You know everything. Why are you asking me? But I'm going to be obedient. Thou know, Lord. You know, so he asks you a question. You can answer it, but you already know what this, uh, you're getting set up. Because God's not asking a question that he don't know the answer to. He knows the answer. So I feel like we have to be careful in how we pursue the things of God and realize that we can't play any games with him. Because he will quickly point out to us how we have conducted ourselves in this natural life and show that, hey, you do this over here. What's going on over here? And then he's saying, and over here is really more significant, more important. You know, I, I know it's hard for us because, you know, what comes first to us is the natural. And so, because the natural comes first to us, it's it's so easy to become accustomed to the natural things and, you know, kind of ignore the spiritual things. But once you learn the spiritual things, you're accountable for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we hear, if our motives are right, when we hear the Word of God ministering to our heart, when we hear the instruction of the Word of God we need to just respond in obedience. This is okay. Yes, Lord, I will do it. I will obey. We need to get into the habit of that. And you know what? Don't even think about this. Don't even think about how hard it is. What we call it, D, paralysis by analysis. Don't even do that to yourself. Just trust that Almighty God is that good that if He's asking you to do something and you with your natural abilities and with your understanding cannot conceptualize that you can do it, don't, don't go down that road. Don't even think about it. Just say, yeah, Lord, I will do it. Yeah, Lord, I will obey. Because a lot of things that God asks us to do, it's like, I don't think I can do it. I don't know about you, but I felt like the first time I had to fast, I didn't think I could go 24 hours without eating. No, that, that, that just, I didn't think I could do that. But I said, yay, Lord, and I did it. With the help of the Lord, it was done. So my, my suggestion to you tonight is when you hear the word of God that challenges you to do something, don't question how. Just say, Lord, yes. And you begin to attempt to do it. Because another thing with the Lord is, he will not open doors until you step up by faith. So for instance, he wants you to walk through that door that's in the back. But where you're standing right now and looking at the door, it's closed. To your understanding, it's locked. Walk through that door. And you're standing looking. There's no way. The door is locked. Don't do it. 
I'm here. I'm helping somebody tonight. When he tells you walk through the door, and you look at you see the door locked. Just do this. He said, walk through the door. I am going. The door is locked. Walk through the door. The door is locked. Walk. Through, and you just you just keep walking. And before you know it, probably as soon as you get to the door, somebody opens it. This is just how God does. Soon as you. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I walked off the screen. <laughs> Woo! Let me mess with the people. If you come, you won't have to worry about where I'm walking to. You'll see me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cheryl can tease y'all because she's here tonight. Um, so, so, so when God said open, when he says I will open the door, it doesn't mean that at the, when he says it to you, just look and don't move until the door is open. No, no, don't do that to God. You're not understanding who your God is. If he says walk through the door, even when you see the door locked shut tight, just says, okay, if you say walk through it, I am going to head toward that direction. And when you get there, he will open it. The problem a lot of times is God say walk through the door and we try to analyze it with our own way of thinking. How we look at things. We look and we try to analyze. Lord, how do you want me to go through the door? And it's, it's shut. It's closed. I, I mean, what's the sense of walking over there, right? That's our common sense worker. What's the sense of walking over there? The door is shut. And the Lord is like, okay, apparently you don't know me. That's just what it comes down to. Apparently you don't know me. Because if I tell you to do something, why you don't think I am going to make sure you to get it done? If you start working, I will work. If you start going, I will go. I'm already there as a matter of fact, so I'm calling you to a place that I already, I'm already there. So if you will go, I'm already there. Mm. Help us, Lord. God wants us to be like some of these people were reading about that when the word of God came to them, they didn't hesitate. They, they didn't try to figure it out. They didn't try to, to process it. This is not mathematics. This is not chemistry. This is not biology. This is the word of God. The almighty God, when he says something, it will happen. This is not a theory. He's not trying to test something. Oh, help me out tonight, somebody. This is not a test that he's trying, Brother Scott. He's not testing something. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not theorizing something. He knows what he's talking about and it's already done. He doesn't have to come up with some idea. I mean, we're going to heaven and, and one of the, the things to know, listen, more of just jumping on the bandwagon and doing what God says. God is telling us how to be victorious in this world so one day we, heaven will be our home. I always say, who you know that's in heaven? And you can't tell me anybody because the truth of the matter is nobody's in heaven right now. Uh-oh. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go down that road because, um, oh, I had that. Where? I'm not going to go down that road. Where did I put it, Brother Tom? Oh, no, that's not it. The truth of the matter is, uh, nobody's ever been to heaven. Only him. He's already, he went on the journey. He took the route that is required to get to heaven. So he's not guessing how we should get to heaven. <laughs> he, he, he's not trying to put a theory together. He's not trying to figure something out. He's not trying to see if, okay, maybe this will work. No. 
He did it already. He went through the process already. And he is sitting on the throne in heaven as you and I surely sitting and standing here. He is in heaven sitting on his throne and he has conquered death, the grave, and he has risen and he's sitting on the throne. And the bottom line is, if he tells us how to get there, why am I going to even question it? He's gone. He's there. Not worried about it. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he shall repent. If he says it, so shall it be. So I don't have to worry about him lying to me or deceiving me. If he's in heaven and he's telling me how to get there, all I need to do is just follow him. And I'll get there too. And guess what? If that's not how you feel, you might as well just live the way you want and enjoy this life until you get out of here and go to your own place. If you don't believe that he came into this world and lived this life and died and rose and ascended and in heaven and he is telling us how to get there. If you don't believe that, just live your life, have a good time. And when you are done with this, you will go to your own place. Well, that's what the word says, Sister Cheryl. It says says, um, Judas. When Judas betrayed him, he went and hung himself and went to his own place. So I don't want to go to my own place. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. (laughs) One of them is for you and for me. And if it wasn't so, I wouldn't told you. I would have told you. And so the bottom line is he's got something nice for me and you. And so I don't want my own place. I want the place he has prepared for me. I don't want my own place. I want the place he has prepared for me. Hallelujah. Right? I don't want my own place. And so if I live my own way, I go to my own place. If I live his way, I go to the place that he has for me. Oh, man, can you imagine having a place of your own that he just doctored up and made perfectly fine just for you? Mm, mm, mm. I want to be in that place, Jesus. I don't want to go to my own place. I want to go to the place where he wants me to go. Mm-hmm. So here was a group of men that Paul met who had been baptized, but not obeying the correct instructions. So Paul rebaptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. Another reason to be baptized is if you cannot remember how you were baptized. So if you can't remember how you were baptized, you should get rebaptized. I've uh people tell me I've, I've heard people say that they have been baptized because it was their custom in their church they attended but they weren't sure how they were baptized i can't you know for the life of me I, I don't know how a lot of us end up to the place where we're casual about this heaven and your own place issue I, listen if i only have one life and this is really true. How do I become casual with that? And then rest it on, because you know, I, I always say this, that a lot of our actions, obviously all of our actions are to us. We have justified our actions in our mind. Some way, shape, or form, we've justified our actions. So the reason why you do what you do is because you have a reason behind it. That, that reason is called justification. And so you justify your actions, whatever the action is or actions are, you justify them. And that's why you continue to do them. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so the way how all of this work, there's no way in my right mind 
I am going to just kind of, oh, by the way, kind of live this Christian life or do something that's not according to the word and have a justification and continue to live the way I want with that justification that I have saying, ah, it's not that bad. This is too important for me to do that. Uh, I forgot what my wife and I was talking about today. But we were saying, I was telling her something about um, how a lot of people live their life. A lot of people live their life, this is big in our business, in the corporate world. A lot of people, and, and in the financial world, a lot of people live their life weighing the risk and reward. That's how a lot of people live their life. Probably most people live their life like that. And you may not uh, say it the way I'm saying it right now. You, you might have a different way of just how you process that. But all of us kind of live our life doing um, risk and reward assessment. And so sometimes how we make a decision, we say to ourselves, what's the risk and what's the reward? And And if I don't get the reward and I happen to fall short... And, and and get into some trouble, how bad is the trouble? And if we think it's trouble that we can handle, then we don't worry about that risk and reward because we're saying, if it doesn't work out, so be it. I'm only losing this or I'm only losing that. You follow what I'm saying? You do it all the time. If you follow what I'm saying, you do it all the time. You weigh the risk and reward of the situation you're dealing with. And if you think the risk is not that big of a deal, you'll do that situation every time. Every time. That's not that big of a deal. So you do it. I say all that just to say the risk and reward of heaven and your own place, there is nothing greater than that risk and reward. So with everything that we weigh, oh, I'm going to invest in this stock. I, I feel like I can put 10000 into this stock, you know, let it sit for a while, and I think I'll be all right. But what if something happened and you lose that ten grand? Well, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I'm still working. You know, if I even got to get a part-time job to try to earn back that money, that's what I'll do. That's how you have assessed that situation. So now... Let me put the 10 grand in. No big deal. That's just money. But in so many things in our life, that's how we measure our actions. What will it cost me if it doesn't work out? Ah, I can handle that. But heaven and your own place is above all of that. And so when you assess those two things, the risk and reward, heaven and your own place, I don't think there's a way, I don't think you should even think about the risk and reward of that. There's no way I'm risking anything. Not in my right mind. I'm all in. I'm pushing my hand to the the middle of the table if you play, what was that? What what is it you push your stuff in the middle of the table? Poker? Push push your hand in the middle of the table, poker? And so, and so, and so my deal is I'm living for God. Don't even tell me about the risk I can take for maybe a reward that I will get. Because there's no reward greater than gaining Christ and eternal life. There is no reward greater than that. So don't even bother telling me about the risk I will have to take for something that I think that will be kind of sort of okay. Don't tell me about that. 
Don't, don't tell me about the, the, the three acre, uh, uh, property with, with, with five bedrooms and, and, and three bathrooms and, and all that I need and you're gonna even pay for my landscapers to come every two weeks. Don't even tell me about that if it's gonna risk my relationship and eternal life. Don't even tell me about it. No sense of telling me. I will not have the discussion. No. So the risk and reward situation with heaven and Jesus Christ and, and, and your own place is not even a discussion to have. So, so watch how you deal with your life because it's, it's just not worth it. Some things are just not worth it. It's not. Mm-hmm. And so you get rebaptized if you've been baptized incorrectly. You get rebaptized if you don't know how you were baptized. Uh huh. Finally, should I be rebaptized from people? Um, uh, pe- people. Some people say this, but if if I was serving God for a long time, but then I kind of took a break. But they, I'm trying to be nice here. You've been in church. You were baptized in Jesus' name. You had the Spirit. You just living for God, loving God, and then you kind of stepped away. They, <laughs> they, they call it backslidden, and you leave. And then you felt compelled to come back, and you came back in the church, and you're in the service. Do you have to be rebaptized? You don't have to. If you want to be and you insist on doing it, I'll do it for you, but not because the Lord thinks you need to do it. So you're not, God is not requiring, maybe that's the best way to say it. After you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, God does not require you to get baptized anymore in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Whether you live right or you didn't live right. He doesn't need you to do that again. He just needs you to get your relationship right with him again. And if you're living for God every day, we need to reestablish our relationship with God. Every day. Not when we backslide, but every day. The Bible says his mercy new every day. Great is thy faithfulness faithfulness so if god give you new mercy every day i think it's only right that every day we renew our commitment to him every day we should renew our commitment to jesus because every day he gives us new mercy and so we don't need to do a lot of extra ceremonial things. We just need to commit our life to him. We just need to surrender our life. We just need to renew our commitment every day by just worshiping him, just adoring him, praising him, loving him, praying, talking to him, allowing him to touch us. We, we just need to every day renew our commitment to him. If you don't want to backslide, if you don't want to sideslide, if you don't want to go into your own place, just every day wake up and renew your commitment to Jesus. So you don't have to get baptized, rebaptized if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, but you backslid. No, you don't. Not for a fresh start. You can just pray, 
seek the Lord. Old timers say you just need to pray through. And God will take care of it. I leave you with this final scripture tonight. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, one of my favorite portion of scriptures, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, this is what I'm saying every day. Just renew your commitment. Confess your sins. Get it right in the morning. Every day. Every day get it right and start out on the right note because that day you are renewing your commitment before you step out, before you handle this world, before you encounter people, before you slip up and mess up. Just step out and, and that morning you just renew your commitment to him. And when you do that, he is faithful and just. He will respond to you. He's faithful and just any questions i'm i'm going to stop there next week we're going to pick up next week i have a really good question um that you want to hear so you don't want to miss next week's question uh that's the question that you can say address why on earth am i here why on earth am i here we'll talk about that next week that's one of the questions next week so um uh, part two continue next week, Sister Patrice. Part two continue. So don't pay me any mind if I so I don't mess you up. I'm telling you now because you know my head get bad after you know a lot of other things start happening. So don't worry about it. Part two continue on next week. Um, I, I I I reached out to our leaders this evening and I I mentioned to them that we were scheduled to do a back to school event and what that is is um, this year we want to. Pray for all of our schools and all of our administrative staff and teachers and our students and, um, you know, pray that God will cover them. And so that's what we want to do. And we were going to do it Saturday morning, um, but I changed and I said, let me just incorporate it in our prayer Saturday evening at 630. If you would like to lead any of our prayer for our back to school event Please just text me and say you would like to lead. I will text you back what you can pray about, and I'll let you pray about it so you can pray about it. <laughs> and um, you can be a part um, of our uh, back-to-school event, which is prayer for our schools, our staff, the, the teachers and administrative staff, and the students, because we just want to contribute to um, going back to school as I've mentioned to you, uh, we don't have a problem if we needed to buy book bags and books and different things. We would do that. But for most of you, the people who you know, the people you encounter every day, they're not in need. So that's why we didn't go that route. Um, but we know everyone is in need of prayer and covering. So we will go that route until there's a different need that comes up um, uh, for back to school. So let us know. Keep us informed about the needs that you know about so we can continue to pray about it. But I want to make mention of that before we close out tonight. So if you want to be a part of it, 630 tomorrow, we will be here. Any questions came in? Um, Saturday. Man. <laughs> Woo! Listen, when your days start going like mine, you'll start talking like me. I'm sorry. <laughs> when your days start going like mine, you start talking like me. 
So, you know, you try to, all the days start blending when you just get on a roll here. All the days start blending. So, um, Saturday, Saturday at 630, um, we will do that. So we'd love for you to join us if you can join us in person and help us in prayer. And um, that would be great. If you can't, then join us uh, virtually with prayer. That will be great as well. Did any question come in? No question came in. Is there any question here tonight? Is everyone clear about baptism? Amen. Gabby, you have a question? Give it to me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, when David died, where did David go? Huh? Where? When Moses died, where did he go? Okay. Um, there's, when, when Elijah got out of here, um, we read the story in Luke, uh, what is it, 16, chapter 16, that talk about the rich man and Lazarus. And the, the, the word of God says that Lazarus died and was carried away in Abram's bosom in the presence of the Lord. And the rich man died and in hell he opened his eyes. We don't have any scripture of anyone living in heaven. So when the Bible talks about heaven, there's different degrees of heaven. The Bible will even let you know that where the planes fly, that's considered heaven. Right? And we can go on and on and on. Um, different dimensions above us that the scripture talks about that's heaven. So when it says that he was translated um, out of here, doesn't mean that he's in heaven where God is. And think about it like this as well. Um, you know, this is why I always encourage people to study the ways of God instead of, because sometimes when you don't have the answer, you will have an understanding because you know the ways of God. Here is the ways of God. God is faithful and just. And he is not going to treat any of us any different. If you die today and you go to heaven, why should I be still here in the earth and you in heaven? Why don't he just take me to heaven too? Why is he making Gabrielle go to heaven, but he's not making Wayne go to heaven right now? You see what I'm saying? Now, what he's being fair about is everyone that dies right now before he returns are, are, will be in his presence. So, you know, because you're a child of God, you will never not be in his presence. Right now, as we are living in the flesh, we are in his presence because what? The spirit dwells in us. So there's none of us that's never, ever... <laughs> Boy, God, he's so, there, there's none of us, Gabrielle, that's never, ever in his presence if we have his spirit. Amen. So whether dead or alive, whether living, I should say, or dead in his presence, physically dead, we're still in his presence. Heaven is a different ball game. So the Bible tells us about how heaven worked, that the day when the rapture comes, that Everyone that died in the Lord and everyone that is here on the earth that's living for the Lord, the ones that are dead in, the, uh, in Christ, they will rise from the ground. They will rise from the grave. They raise up first. But guess what? God is so good. All of us will meet him in the air. Nobody go. That dude, man. 
I, I, I just wanted sometimes just, just talk to him face to face and say, what's up with you, man? You talking about having this thing figured out? None of us get there. So the dead will rise, will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them where? In heaven? Nobody's in heaven. We all go at the same time. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ain't nobody like him. So don't tell everybody that because, you know, people have to comfort themselves when their loved one dies. And they're in heaven. <laughs> so you hold on to that for yourself. Because the true answer is if they died in Christ, they are dead in the presence of the Lord. They are in the presence. They're not gone. They're not, you know, corrupt or anything. They're just not in heaven, but they're in the presence of the Lord. Yes. So we traditionally like to say they died and they went to heaven. I'm not telling you that's not okay to say. I'm just telling you if you want to be biblically sound and correct, they are in the presence of the Lord. And one day, all of us together will go to heaven together. God is no respect of persons. We all going to be in heaven together. Oh, what a mighty God he served. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome, awesome God. He is so good. He is so wonderful. How can you not love him, Tom? How can you not love this God that we serve? I don't want to know no other God because they're all idols. This God, his name is Jesus. I'm going to serve that dude because that's the one right there. Because you will never find another like him. You will never get to experience another like him. He thinks about everything. He thinks about you all the time. He loves you more than anyone could ever love you. And he wants what's best for you. And so you need to just check with him. Stay with him. Because he's the one that will take great care of you. And he has no ulterior motives. He's not doing anything because guess what? He's setting you up. He's not setting you up. You just don't understand that kind of love that he has, that agape love, that love that says, I am doing for you, not because I have an angle, not because I'm after something. I'm doing it out of pure love with no strings attached. That's the God we serve. No strings attached. Just just straight love. That's the only thing and the only reason he's loving you for, just to love you. Nothing else. Everyone else this is why I said last week I want to love him like he loved me. Because in our human form of loving, there's always some underlying thing. And you probably don't even want to have some underlying thing. You want to have the purest form of love, but just the way we're built, there's always some underlying. And so we got to work on having that agape love with no underlying agenda. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we are so grateful for your word, for your presence that is in us and among us tonight. Oh God, we lift our hands and we lift our heart to you tonight, oh God. We're grateful because, oh God, who can be like you and who can compare to you? None is like you. None can compare. And we worship and we adore you. And we tonight, Lord God, have different perspective, new perspective, Lord God, of 
the baptism, O oh God, and, and who you are, Lord God, in heaven, Lord God, and oh, Lord, what you think of us, Lord God, and I pray for somebody tonight under the sound of my voice, uh, who, Lord God, may be hurting, who, my God, may be confused, who, my God, is struggling. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus uh, that you will strengthen, that you will touch, and that you will heal, and that you will make whole again, Lord God, and you will allow them to experience, Lord God, your goodness. Make them aware, Almighty God, of who you are and what you can do. Make them aware of how much you love them and show them, Lord God, that you are for them and that you're on their side. I pray tonight, Almighty God, that there will be a divine move of God in all of our heart for those of us that are here in person and for those of us that are receiving virtually. Will you move on all of us, Lord God, in a special and divine way? That, Lord, your spirit will have full control and that your will be done tonight. And that the blessings of the Lord will overshadow us, Lord God. And that our homes will be filled with your presence, Lord. And our relationships, Lord God, will be better than ever before because it's built on the love of Jesus Christ, Lord. Will you bind us tonight in unity of your spirit and for your will to be done Lord God I thank you for this church and what you're doing in the lives of your people we are your body Lord God and we ask Lord Jesus that you do as you please as we surrender and we submit we say God thy kingdom come thy will be done have your way tonight Lord God let a change take place deep down within us Lord that somehow we walk out of this place tonight with Something in us that we did not have when we walked in. Something that only you could have placed inside of us. That only you could have imparted to us. Oh, my God, have your way tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Lord God, for your sweetness and your goodness. I thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your mercy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name name of Jesus. Oh God, thou art our God. Thou art our God. And we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody declare in their heart. Somebody declare outwardly. Heaven will be my home. Heaven will be my home. I will lay hold on eternal life. I will grab a hold of eternity. And I won't let it go. Jesus, I look forward to that day. To be in your presence. Where, oh God, we can worship at your throne. Oh God, saying, holy, holy, holy. The Lord our God is holy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in here tonight. Hallelujah, come on, let out your voice. Lift up the name of Jesus. Appreciate Him, thank Him, and love Him. There is none like you, oh great God. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have one more announcement before we leave. Last announcement. We went and looked at a property the other day, um, 1141 Route 130 North. And so, not telling you it's something that we um, will go after, but uh, we're going to look at it um, Sunday. This Sunday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to go out and take a look at it with us and share your thoughts about what you think, uh, we welcome you Sunday at 1 o'clock. We'll meet here and we'll drive out. And if you can't meet here and you just want to meet us there, 1141 Route 130 North, uh, we'll take a look at it. Just want to get you involved in the process and we'll see what the Lord does. Um, and we'll go from there. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. It's a beautiful night outside. Go take a walk on the boardwalk. I'm only kidding. I don't know where the boardwalk is. I love you, church. Have a great night. Jesus.